Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. I hope you got to listen to the last four podcasts where I did a series of four on the subject of togetherness. It's a beautiful word in the scriptures, and uh, it's something that can, well, it's really God's plan. And uh, when we incorporate all the scriptures about togetherness, it can bring such a blessing to our home and to our church life. Now, togetherness, it's one of those ness words with N-E-S-S on the end. I love words and I love ness words. When ness is added to a word, it means the state or the quality of that noun. For example, sweetness is the quality of being sweet. In loveness is the quality or state of being in love. Darlingness is the quality of being a darling. Now there's loads of ness words in the world, but I have found 80, 80 uh, words that that actually apply to us as wives and as mothers in our home. All these beautiful ness words. Of course, there's many more, but these particularly relate to us. Now, with all those words, I'm not going to be able to speak to you all on every one uh, because there are so many, but... Let me just read you a few today. I have them from A down to Z. So let me just start with A. Adorableness, amiableness, availableness, blessedness, braveness, brightness, calmness, chasteness, cheerfulness, cleanliness, courteousness, darlingness, devotedness, dutifulness, faithfulness, femaleness, forgiveness, friendliness, fruitfulness. And so they go on. I'll leave some more till next time. But today, I would like to talk to you about restfulness. I was thinking about this because I was reading a scripture of how David wanted to build a house of rest for God. And I began to think about it and think, well, you know, this should also be our vision. We should want to build a house of rest for God. Our God is a dwelling God. He loves to dwell. Right back in the Old Testament, we read of how he wanted to dwell with his people, even in the desert. And uh, he, he dwelt in, 
a tabernacle and he went wherever the children of Israel went. In fact, he directed where they went, but he went with them. He went before them. And when they stopped, he stayed in their midst, right in the very center, because he wanted to dwell with them. He wants to dwell with us now. He wants to dwell in our hearts. He wants to be with us personally, and he wants to dwell in our homes. But God's favorite place to dwell is in a place of rest. God loves to dwell, but God also loves rest. He is a God of rest. He wants to bring rest to us when he comes into our hearts. But he also wants our homes to be a home of rest where he can enjoy dwelling. So shall we look at some scriptures? In 1 Chronicles 28 verse 2, David is speaking and he's sharing his vision. And he says, As for me, I had in mine heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and for the footstool of our God, and had made ready for the building. And David didn't actually end up building this house. God said that his son would do it, but he got ready for it. And you can read later in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, all the materials that David got ready for the building of this house for God. Oh my, it is amazing how he gathered gold and silver and, and uh, everything that, he, that, that would be needed. He gathered it. He had it ready. And uh, there's another beautiful scripture in this chapter. Uh, Verse 11, then David gave to Solomon his son the passion uh, for the tabernacle. Verse 12, and the passion of all that he had by the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and of the chambers and of the treasuries and of the courses of the priests and the Levites and of the service of the house of the Lord and so on. All this had to be um, absolutely ordered and uh, God gave it to David by the Spirit. I love that. He didn't just think it up himself. The Holy Spirit showed him. And, and I think this is, there's a beautiful thought here because, ladies, every one of us are different Each one of us are unique, and each one of us are going to build our homes differently. And because we're different, and God doesn't cookie cutter, He he makes each one of us so unique and so different. And, And that's why we also have to seek the Lord like David did. He sought the Lord. So God could show him how he wanted to build this house for him. It's a wonderful thing to do, precious mothers. Get before the Lord and ask him, Lord, how do you want me to build this house for you? Please show me. 
and God will show you, and he will show you all the very practical things. All these things that he showed David, they were so practical. Every little measurement and how he was to do this and how he was to do that, it was all practical. And the running of your home is very practical. But God will show you how to do the practical things and how to do them the best way for your household. Sometimes you read books and you read the idea of this mother and it works so amazingly for her. And she has this wonderful um, running machine. Her house just runs smoothly and everything's just great. And she writes this book about it and you read it and you try to put it into operation Somehow it doesn't quite work like it did for her. And that's because you are not her. God has made you differently. And so you've got to seek the Lord personally to hear from the Holy Spirit how he wants you to run your home. Isn't that wonderful? And we go down to verse 19. And it says, And all this said David, The Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. Every detail of the pattern God gave him by the Spirit. And he will do that for you too, dear mothers. And so... You're going to be seeking to build this house of rest for God. We go over to Psalm 132. And David says here, he says, Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord. A habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. The Passion uh, Translation uh, says, I devote myself to finding a resting place for you. Now, what a beautiful vision to have. I devote myself to making my home a resting place God. My, that's a big vision, isn't it, dear ladies? Because we know just because what life is like, that our homes are not always this beautiful place of rest. Tension comes and things come happen and oh my, it seems to be nothing like a place of rest. But that's why we have to devote ourselves to finding how to make a home a place of rest. And as we seek the Lord, he will show us by his spirit. But I've written a few points here. I've got 10 points and I don't think I have given, I'm going to give them all to you. There'll be more than 10. I know you'll have lots of wonderful ideas also, but I'll share these 10 points with you. Um, In fact, perhaps before I even get to sharing them, I should also uh, share with you how God also uh, sees our marriages as a place of rest. Did you know that? 
Yes, in the Bible, marriage is aligned with a place of rest. Now, in the story of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 9, Ruth was leaving Moab because her husband had died and her sons-in-law had died. And, oh, she was in a state of just depression and sadness and self-pity. And she was just going to go back to Judah. And uh, anyway, she says to both her daughters-in-law, May the Lord enable each of you to find security in the home of a new husband. The King James Bible says that you may find rest. That is the word rest. And the Hebrew uh, for rest is manuka, and it means repose, peaceful, consolation, an abode, quiet, comfort, refreshment, a resting place, and specifically matrimony. And so in that Hebrew word manuka, which talks of rest and refreshment and quiet and peace, it also means marriage, matrimony. And uh, it's the same word in Psalm 23 too, where our good shepherd leads us beside still waters. That's the same word. Our marriage is not meant to be turbulent waters. Dear ladies, God intends it to be still waters. That's what he desires. And so we continue with the story of Ruth, and we know that Ruth would not leave her mother-in-law, and so she went back to Israel with her. And then Naomi was very concerned about Ruth finding another husband. She needed to have someone who could provide for her and care for her. And so in Ruth chapter 3, verse 1, she speaks to Ruth and says, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Now the good news Bible translation explains it a little more clearly. I must find a husband for you so that you will have a home of your own. And that's what Naomi was talking about. Although she said, I'm seeking rest for you, Ruth, so it will be well with you and you'll be looked after. She was concerned about finding a husband for her. Now that word, this time that she uses rest, well the word rest is used, it's a similar word, not the same, it's the Hebrew word manoach, very similar meaning. It means a settled spot, a home, a place of rest. Well, sometimes marriages are not always a place of rest, are they? But this is what God intends. God has a beautiful uh, vision for marriage and he wants our marriages to be a place of rest and a place where we find security, stability, provision and a resting place to fulfill our God-given career of mothering and nurturing. It's very hard for single mums, maybe some of you are listening today, and you're trying to provide 
for your child or for your children and at the same time to nurture them and make a home for them. And I know many single mums find themselves in this position through no fault of their own, but they need so much encouragement and help because it's not something we're meant to do on our own. God intends there to be a husband and a wife in the home. So that as children come along, uh, the, the wife can be secure. When she has a husband who knows his mandate from God is to provide for his wife and to protect his wife and children, then the wife can live in quietness and rest. She can give herself to the work of managing her home and caring for her children because she doesn't have to do her husband's career. You see, God gives a career to the husband and a career to the wife. If we both have the same career, well, we can't really function properly because God has given to the husband that uh, that mantle to provide. God says that if a man does not provide for his family, he is worse than an infidel. That is his mandate from God, to provide well for his wife, for his family, so that she can be at rest to do her job, to manage the home, to bear children, to train and nurture children. That is a huge career. And we cannot do it adequately when we're trying to do a career out in the corporate world. It's just not, it just is too difficult. And so God has planned that marriage and the home becomes a place of rest when it is functioning correctly and the husband is doing his mandate from God and the wife is embracing her mandate from God. Then we can live in rest. It is so sad that there are husbands who want to get their wives out to work and help them earn more money for the family. But what happens to the children? And I did mention, I said, you know, this when we're living in the plan that God has, the wife has the, and the mother has the opportunity to work uh, in her home and give herself to this work of um, building her family and raising her family. Now, there we see two opposites, work and rest. Did you know that they can actually go together? If we are living at rest, it doesn't mean to say we're sitting on the sofa looking at soap operas. No, that's not the rest that we are talking about here. The rest we're talking about is a state of our soul, where our soul is at rest. We can be busy. We can be working hard. We can have many projects that are going, but we are in a place of rest. We're not doing them because, um, oh, that we're fretful about it. No, we're doing them in rest. And uh, we can have rest in our soul. And so we have this state of rest. I love Matthew chapter 11 
um, 28 to 30, where Jesus said, um, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus loves to give us rest. He is rest. When he comes into our lives, he brings rest because he lives in rest. Nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing gets him in a state of of nervous tension or depression or overwhelmingness. No, everything is under his control. And when we come to Christ and and we receive the forgiveness of our sins. We, we have rest from sins forgiven. I believe that's the first rest that we experience. But then the scripture goes on. Jesus continues and he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that phrase, rest unto your souls. I believe this is something even deeper than the rest of forgiveness of sins and the guilt of sin taken away. But then Jesus says, come, come, come with me. Come and sit at my feet. Come and learn of me. Come and spend time in my word. Learn of my ways. And as you do, you'll find more and more rest in the depths of your soul. And this is what God wants to give us. He wants us as mothers to have rest in our soul, in in our homes. It's difficult to do this if we're trying to do two careers at once. So that's why God calls marriage a rest. Now, of course, everything that God ordains, Satan seeks to destroy. Everything. So he seeks to destroy marriage. He seeks to destroy the plan for marriage and and God's beautiful plan of, of the career that he has given to man to be that ultimate provider. Of course, wives in the home, many times with gifts they have, they're able to do things that can help, um, you know, generate some income into the home without leaving the home, things that they're able to do in the home. And that's, of course, also in seasons when we have little ones, we don't always have time to do those things. But God has ordained for the, the man to be that ultimate provider. And we have to watch, dear ladies, that we don't let Satan get his foothold into the home and woo us out of the home, getting involved, maybe not even in a career, but just in other things. There's so many things that we can get involved in outside of the home. Now, some are very, well, often many of them are very, very good, but they're not very good for you if they are hindering you in the home and and uh, they are taking you away from managing your home effectively and and nurturing your children which is your 
um, ultimate mandate from God. So we have to watch that. We dare not be like the woman in the Song of Solomon. And she said, um, "My, um, I have looked after my own other vineyards, but my own vineyard is unkept. We have to watch that. If we haven't got time to keep our own vineyard, well, don't let's go looking after other people's vineyards. All right. And so we guard that. <clears throat> and also, we also have to guard other things. We have to guard uh, against tension coming into the home. If we notice tension, well, we better do something about it. If we notice evil creeping into the home, we better make sure we cast it out. We resist all rebellious and selfish attitudes and especially bitterness and hardness of heart. Oh, we have to watch those things, those attitudes. Marriage is all to do with our attitudes, isn't it, ladies? And we can choose which attitude we will take. It's easy to just go to the negative one. That's easy. Not so easy to take the godly attitude. But that's the one that brings blessing. And God will enable us as we trust him. So we see that God wants our marriage and our home uh, to be a place of rest. And he wants to come and dwell with us and enjoy that rest so let's see some ways that we can do this. Number one, make a time and a place to meet with God each day. Now that's in Second Chronicles chapter 2. And I've talked about this before. So I'll just briefly mention it. But this is where Solomon is now uh, beginning to build the house. Remember, David had the vision. He passed it on to Solomon. And uh, in chapter 2 of Second Chronicles, Solomon says, verse 4, Behold, I build a house to the name of the Lord my God to dedicate it to him and to burn before him sweet incense and for the continual showbread and for the burnt offerings morning and evening and so on. Now, Solomon, he was making a house of rest for God but it was also a place where he could come before God morning and evening and sacrifice to him. We see in verse 9. No, let's see. Verse 6. And Solomon says, And who is able to build a house for God, seeing the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Who am I then that I should build him a house, save only, save only, to burn sacrifice before him. Back in the tabernacle days, there was the principle of the morning and evening sacrifice. And the morning and evening lighting of the candles, the morning and evening attending to the altar, the fire upon the altar, the morning and evening lighting of the incense, speaking of praise and worship. 
And so these were places where they met with God. And God wanted them to do it morning and evening. And it's a principle that we should continue. We are no longer doing sacrifices and lighting menorahs and lighting incense. But we are... We are just doing it because we want to meet with God. We don't have to do all these external things now, but we need to find a time and a place each day where we gather our families and we come into the presence of God to meet with him, to seek him, to pray to him, to worship him, and to listen to his voice from his word. As we do this, we are building a house of rest for God. We're building a place where he can literally come to us and speak to us, a place where we can literally make this time to worship him and spend time in his presence each day. I have found, ladies, and I don't mind sharing this with you again because I know that so many of you have it in your heart to do this, but doing it is another thing. And I have found unless I make this happen in my home, it doesn't happen. I make it happen. It is my whole day revolves around our morning time with God and our evening time with him. As a family, I meet with him personally, but this is our family times. And, and this, this paves the way, it builds, it, it prepares um, us as we make a home, a house of rest, a place for our God to dwell. If there is no meeting time, if there is no time in the day when we bring our families before the Lord, well, where, where is God in our homes? Do we make any time for him? You see, we have to make these times, and we make these times around the meal time, around breakfast time, and at the supper time, the chief evening meal of the day. We, we do it at the end of these meals, and so um, they, they become meeting places with God. And so I encourage you to do this. This is such an important part of our making a home of rest. Number two, fill your home with God's word. In the same passage, Second Chronicles, chapter four, sorry, chapter two, verse four, it's saying that he wanted to um, just make this house where he could burn sweet incense and uh, for the continual showbread. Well, the showbread was the 12 loaves of bread that were baked every week and put on the table of showbread in the holy place. They were always to be there, never, never, never off the table. In fact, when they, um, once a week, the, the priests would eat the showbread together and fellowship together in the presence of the Lord, but before they took those loaves off, they had to put the new loaves on. And how they did it, um, so many priests would 
come in and as they took the showbread and the other utensils off the table, another set of priests would immediately put the new bread, fresh bread, on the table so that there was never a second that the bread was not on the table. It was called the continual bread. Um, yes, as it is here, the continual showbread. It speaks of Jesus. And uh, who was the bread? He is our sustenance. He is our bread. He is our life. And it speaks of feasting upon Jesus. It speaks upon of feasting upon the Word, for he himself is the Word. And uh, so it speaks of the written Word and Jesus who is the Word. And we're to feast upon him continually and of course you can't just sit and look and read the word all day long um, but once again I find it so important that we read the word at these uh, these times okay morning and evening as those pr that principle was established in the tabernacle that morning and evening principle where we read the word of God and you can also have the word of God around your home you can have one in the toilet where you do have to go throughout the day you can have it open at Psalms and maybe just pick up a little scripture there you can have another Bible open on your windowsill where you are preparing your meals and uh, doing the dishes. I used to do this when I was a young mum, and I always had a Bible on my windowsill. Um, my windowsill at the moment won't fit a Bible, which is very sad, and uh, I hope you've got one that does fit a Bible, because it's so great. You can just look up, and you can just, oh, just get a little bit of sustenance um, to just encourage you uh, throughout the day or where, whenever you're at the kitchen sink. And that's often a place where you really need encouragement too. And, and so <clears throat> we fill our home with God's word. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Number three. Fill your home with worship music and beautiful music. Psalm 22, 3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now our God, who is a dwelling God, loves to dwell amongst praise and worship. So precious ladies, if you want God, to live in your home, to fill your home. Fill your home with beautiful worship music. God loves to inhabit praises. And I was thinking about this the other day. If God loves to live and dwell in praises, don't you think that we who are his creation would also want to live in an atmosphere of praises? I think so. And so, as we seek to make our homes a home of rest, 
Let's make our homes a homes of praises, where we're not only praising God, yes, but we're also praising each other. We're praising our husband. Do you praise your husband? How many times a day do you praise him or speak loving things to him? Now, Make your home a place that's just filled with praises. So they're just coming out of your mouth. And uh, when you see your husband, you're praising him. Your children, you're, you're just praising them and encouraging them and affirming them and uplifting them. And uh, just get into the habit. Make it a habit. Seek to think about it, to, to try and make this a habitual thing uh, that comes out of your mouth, that praises and encouragement and uh, these kind of words are coming out of your mouth. It is true, uh, Proverbs twelve twenty five, 25, uh, and it says, A word of encouragement does wonders miracles. Oh, precious ladies, is your home a little bit depressing at the moment? Maybe there's tension. Oh, goodness me. Hey, here's the remedy. Make it a home of praises. Praises to God. Praising your husband. Praising your children. Praising them all day long. Oh, my. You will be absolutely amazed. Yes, wonders will begin to happen. Miracles will begin to happen. Yes, do it. Okay? Now, I've got something else about this, but I'll wait till next week because time is up. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for every precious wife and mother who is listening today. Father, I pray that you will come into their hearts in a wonderful way. I pray that you'll come into their homes. Lord God, where there is tension, where there is strife, where there is bitterness, where there is hurt, oh God, I pray that you will help these dear wives and mothers to change the atmosphere by filling it with praises, with encouraging words, affirming words, praising words, uplifting words, positive words, exciting words. Oh God, I pray that you will touch their mouths and take them from the negative into the positive, that you'll take them, Lord, from the uh, just the despairing words and grumbling words into thankful words and, and uh, Lord, praising words and encouraging words. Lord, you've told us that these kind of words release wonders in our midst. And I ask that you will do this in every home, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. amen.